0: it's a fine sunday afternoon the weather's changing it's mm. getting warmer it's staying lighter later life is good
1: it really is incredible how much that changes my mood when it stays lighter later i know that that's yes. like a scientifically proven thing and that <laughs> this is an original but it really does
0: <laughs> we're not the first to be but of seasonal depression
1: <laughs> oh dawson look there's your mom back to you bob Hello and welcome to Back to You, Bob, a Dawson's Creek podcast. We are your hosts, Christina and Micah, and this is episode 109 in the Company of Men.
0: Yes. Surprisingly, in my memory, it wasn't a great episode, but watching it, I was like, oh, I like this.
1: I almost had zero recollection of it.
0: I knew it was like a boys storyline, girls storyline, but I there's an episode like that in season two, and I think I confused them. Yeah. So what's our Dawson's drink?
1: Today we are drinking the Rhode Island Red. It is two ounces of Blanco tequila, a half ounce of Chambord, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, half an ounce of agave nectar, and one dash of orange bitters topped with ginger beer. I have to say, I think it's kind of tasty. I, to be completely honest and upfront, did not have ginger beer, so I topped it with ginger seltzer. So This feels like very refreshing and light. I'm sure it would be like a little bit spicier with the ginger beer, but I think it's good.
0: Mine feels refreshing and light as well. Mm -mm -mm. Cheers. It's a fine Sunday afternoon. The weather is changing. It's Mm. getting warmer. It's staying lighter later. Life is good.
1: It really is incredible how much that changes my mood when it stays lighter later. I know that that's like a scientifically proven thing and that (laughs) this isn't original, but it really does. (laughs)
0: We're not the first to be able to have seasonal depression. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get right into our episode recap now that we have our Dawson's drink. Let's do it. Do you think people drink along with us? I hope they drink something along with us.
1: I know. I am very curious about that. You should.
0: I think a lot of people do it on their commute.
1: Mm, Then don't drink.
0: Unless you're like on a train or a bus. Or a ferry. A ferry. Segway. Okay. So in this episode in The Company of Men, episode 109... We find Dawson in his room, fresh from a breakup with Jen in the last episode. And he's really sulking. He's staring out the window. He's very sad. And Joey is giving him crap because, you know, he's really milking this. Dawson says that this is really hard for him to get over because Jen didn't just dump him. She dumped the essence of him. She dumped everything he stands for. She had a bad reaction to who he is at the core. So it's going to take a little bit more time than just getting over this like it's a regular breakup. And he says everything he looks at reminds him of Jen. Joey says, that's ridiculous. Let's put on a movie, get your mind off of it, and move on. They turn on the VCR, and of course, it's footage of Dawson's movie, and we see Jen on the TV screen, and Dawson just throws his hands in the air. Later, Dawson links up with Billy, Jen's ex from New York, who convinces him that they have a lot more in common than they originally thought. They talk about Jen and their feelings for her and they discover that they're both going through the same thing and he convinces Dawson to play hooky from school and join him on a road trip to Providence and Billy says he knows a bar and he knows the bouncer and he'll be able to get Dawson in. He explains that the bar is equidistant between two all-girl colleges and he basically promises Dawson that he'll introduce him to a girl and the best way to get over Jen is to meet someone new. So Dawson being Dawson... He's in, but he wants to drop his homework off at school first, where they run into Pacey, Joey, and Jen. Pacey is in for the boys' trip. So while Dawson's gone turning in his homework, Billy heavily implies to Jen and Joey that he's taking Dawson to a place where you can exchange money for sex, and that Dawson's probably going to lose his virginity that night. So while the boys run the ferry to Providence, Pacey is ribbing Dawson a little bit, and he says, you know, you're such a goody-goody... And Dawson says, look at me, and you know, I'm skipping school. I'm playing hooky. We're going to Providence. And Pacey is like, yeah, but you couldn't even do that without turning in your homework first. Like, man, you got to live a little here. So Pacey, Dawson play a prank on some guys in the ferry. And you see Dawson kind of really letting loose. He's kind of tapping more into his mischievous side. And thanks to Pacey and Billy, he's kind of open to doing something bad this weekend. And when they get to the bar, eventually he meets an older woman, and he bonds with her because she's wearing a film shirt. So he's kind of flirting back and forth with this older woman the whole episode. And later, they excuse themselves, they go outside, they're alone, and they share a kiss and say goodbye. She offers to let him crash at her house so he could tell his friends that he got lucky with her. And he says, no, I'm good, I'm going back inside, where he fights with Billy, and Billy ends up leaving Pacey and Dawson in Providence, so the boys have to make their own way home. And they have this really cute moment, Pacey and Dawson, where Dawson admits that he did kiss the older woman, and Pacey's really proud of him for doing something out of character and kind of wild for Dawson. So meanwhile, at home, Joey accepts a ride to school with a jock at Capeside High named Warren. And Warren then spreads a rumor around school that he slept with Joey and Jen kind of pulls Joey aside and tells Joey about this rumor and asks if it's true. Joey says it's not. Jen had a feeling it wasn't. So Joey and Jen team up to teach Warren a lesson and spread a different rumor that Joey is now pregnant and Warren basically refuses to help her with the situation. So it's a good episode for Joey and Jen. You know, they're bonding over this. They also get into a little fight over it, but they end up coming together in the end, successfully teaching Warren a lesson and when they're celebrating their victory they can't help but wonder if Dawson really could have lost his virginity this night they're sure he didn't but a part of them wonders what if he did and so we see Joey waiting for Dawson in his room and he gets back from the trip he's exhausted and he collapses joey really wants to know if he met a girl or what happened and dawson says he'll explain later but he did not think of jen once that is episode 109 Like kind of a filler episode, kind of a setup episode, but a good, a pretty solid episode, I feel.
1: It brings Jen and Joey together. It kind of firms Pacey and Dawson back up. Like last episode, they came back together after their big fight. And this one really firmed up their relationship again. And
0: Yeah, I always kind of like when they do these boys versus girls kind of episodes and they split everyone up when we see new dynamics and things.
1: Yeah. It was a good one. And it was written by Rob Thomas, who we love. He is amazing. And we talked about him in depth in episode 103, if you want to go back and listen to that. It was directed by Steven Robman. He has a pretty crazy career. He directed episodes of Facts of Life, Family Ties, Silver Spoons, Charles in Charge, Doogie Howser, Melrose Place, Gilmore Girls, The O.C., American Dreams, obviously this episode of Dawson's Creek. Like, there's something for everyone in his resume. It seems like he stopped directing around 2011, but he is credited as directing a podcast in 2020. He has a really cool career. He was also a producer and director on Party of Five. He directed 22 episodes and he was on as like multiple layers of producer on that show. So it seems like he was on for the long haul. Oh,
0: love Party of Five. So good. It's interesting that he started in sitcoms. back Facts yeah. of Life and Doogie Howser. Yeah.
1: Family Ties, Charles in Charge, like, yeah, I loved all those shows.
0: So he slowly moved into hour long drama. Yeah, I thought it was well directed. I didn't there was nothing that stood out to me as, you know, off tone. I feel like it was pretty seamless.
1: Yeah. And we're in a completely different environment for half the episode. You know, we're in a club. We're on a ferry. We're doing all sorts of stuff outside of the box. Yeah. So, yeah, it felt, it felt good.
0: Love that class. Love that pour.
1: It's a heavy. It's a heavy Rhode Island red.
0: <laughs> Why did we name the Dawson's drink the Rhode Island red?
1: Per the recap, they go to Providence, Rhode Island, in this episode, and that's how we came up with the Rhode Island red.
0: Where apparently Billy has lots of connections. His New York City cell. That's a lot of.
1: <laughs> He's got a lot of connections. He knows all the doormen. Yeah. Guest cast shout out.
0: So guest cash shout out, obviously.
1: Eric Balfour. Yes. Yes.
0: Was this his first role? No, because I've seen he, him in something where he was no. way younger.
1: Yeah. Well, so this was my question for you because he so he was in um Kids Incorporated mm-hmm. in 1991. He was in like the whole thing. But when he came on screen, I was like, oh, my God, Eric Balfour. Like in my mind, I knew his name. I was excited to see him. And then I was scanning through his resume and I was like, none of this. I've watched a lot of it and it's like an episode here, two episodes here. Like, but I'm why do I know him? Why do I know him so well?
0: I know him the most from Six Feet Under.
1: Okay. I did watch that. I didn't finish it. Is he one of the he's kids? In, Who is he? He's in the
0: whole thing. So Lauren Ambrose's character, Claire. Claire, Claire Fisher. He plays her love interest boyfriend. I would say he pops in and out for about four or five seasons and then. He gets, uh, he gets written off at a certain point. He's not in it the whole time. But a very I would say he's in almost every season, at least for okay. a, an episode or two. Yeah. But correct me if I'm wrong, I also know him from Buffy.
1: He was in two episodes of Buffy.
0: Was it the pilot? I mean, he might be the first person you see on the Buffy pilot. Yeah,
1: he is. Yeah, he's he, in the first and second episode.
0: He gets killed in the cold open, I believe, by um, a blonde. Don't get old. This is Alzheimer's. <laughs> <laughs> I have memory loss. You'd know her you'd know her the blonde not not Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> I left my friend a voice note the other day and I was like uh Ted Lasso's wife
1: Olivia Wilde, Olivia
0: Wilde. I couldn't think of her name <laughs> I was trying to describe you couldn't think of Jason Sudeikis not little darlings everywhere what the hell's the name of it hello my don't darling don't
1: worry darling <laughs> don't
0: worry darling I could not think of the name of the movie and I couldn't think of Harry Styles and I couldn't think of Florence Pugh's name at the time. So I was like, the movie with Ted Lasso's wife distracted. Anyway, (laughs) don't get old, kids.
1: You hit 40 and everything just (laughs) fell apart.
0: (laughs) Take the ginkgo now.
1: Well, so he's in one episode of Step by Step. Two episodes of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. One episode of Boy Meets World. Two episodes of Buffy. One episode of Dawson's Creek. He's in Can't Hardly Wait.
0: Yes, of course he's in Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah. Yeah. But he's one of those people... Who's been in everything. He's great in everything.
1: Oh, he was in two episodes of No Ordinary Family, which John Harmon Feldman created.
0: Which we talked about a few episodes ago. Yeah. Let me ask you, what was the last thing Eric Balfour has done?
1: He is most recently in The Offer for Paramount+. Plus.
0: Yeah, that's on my list.
1: Yeah. He was in five of the 10 episodes.
0: Wow. Okay, good. So he's back in the mix.
1: He's back, baby.
0: It was so funny because we talked a few episodes ago about how, you know, you're never too old to try new things and how I just started skiing. And when I went skiing in Utah in February, I had to take lessons because I'd never done it. And one of these girls that I got paired with in ski school, she and I were on the lift together, and we were like struggling for something to talk about. You know, I said, I work in TV. And she said, oh, my God, did you watch The Offer? And I said, no. And she's like, oh, my God, you have to watch The Offer. So huh. that's when I put that's when I put it on my list. Small world.
1: If only you had known, you could have said, how is Eric Balfour? She would have been like, who?
0: (laughs) From Dawson's Creek, episode 109.
1: (laughs) Well, this can kind of lead into music moment. I feel like there were so many. So many. Yeah, like you were saying last episode, we were in kind of a dry spell for a few episodes. And last episode and this episode, it's like, boom, 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 boom. They're hitting us with all these tunes. What's your fave?
0: I got to give it to Savage Garden, Truly, Madly, yeah. Deeply.
1: Right off the top. They get so
0: it, it opens with that while Dawson is staring out the window at Jen's house. And then it actually bookends and it is played in the final scene where presumably Pacey and Dawson have traveled all night and, and Dawson stumbles into his bedroom and Joey is there. And I just like that bookend device.
1: And in the beginning, it's kind of Dawson obsessing or like, I'll wait forever for Jen, like that whole vibe that he's giving off. And then at the end, Joey closes it out with, I can wait. Like she's feeling similar feelings for Dawson.
0: We'll get into it like we always do.
1: The other song that made me laugh was when Billy steals the ladder from Dawson's house and puts it up against Jen's window and climbs into Jen's house and it's Touch, Peel, and Stand by Days of the New. It's kind of like this like rockery vibe. It's very 90s. It just fit perfectly. It was like, oh, look at Billy. He's a badass. You could tell they were trying to make a statement.
0: They'll be on our playlist as always. We'll do our Music Moments post as always. We're doing it, Joe. Past versus present. I don't know.
1: I don't have much for past... Actually, I don't have anything for past versus present, but this is a good opportunity to talk about something that you brought up last episode: the direct address. I counted them. There were forty-two times where one character was in conversation with another character only and said their name to them.
0: Wow, my mouth is open, and this isn't a video podcast, but my mouth is open.
1: (laughs) Mouth was agape.
0: Forty-two times. That's crazy.
1: Six times in the cold open. Either Dawson said Joey or Joey said Dawson. And the cold open is one and a half minutes long.
0: You have to wonder, though, at that point, is it something they kind of just leaned into as it was going to be like a Dawson's Creek dialogue device? You you have to wonder at this point.
1: That's what I was wondering, like, if it was the writers kind of said, this is something that we're doing, say it when it feels natural, or if it was scripted.
0: It must be deliberate at that point. 42 times is excessive. Wow. Wow, Bethany. Wow. Oh, that was a Real Housewives of New York reference. Sorry.
1: <laughs> You're keeping that Venn diagram alive.
0: We got a lot of responses from that Scandavall conversation. There's a lot of Bravo Dawson's people out there. There's Bravo Dawson's Venn diagram moments. There's clearly a Taylor Swift Dawson's mm. Venn diagram, based on all the TikToks that we've been seeing and posting I'm wondering if there's a Days of Our Lives Dawson's Venn diagram. We'll get, I'm going to post Days of Our Lives stuff this week.
1: So there most certainly is that Venn diagram of people. Now's your time to shine.
0: So I'm probably forgetting someone, but Miss Jacobs, we've talked about it's on Days of Our Lives. In the Breakfast Club episode, Mrs. Stringle's watching Days of Our Lives. In season five, Jack's love interest is now currently on Days of Our Lives. Jen's love interest, Jensen Akels, who went on to do supernatural he started on days of our lives and there are other days there's other days dawson's crossover okay let's open it up this is the segment where we just we're going to talk about anything we want why because it's our show and not yours that is a quote from trixie and katya perfect what do you want to talk about
1: i really liked graham's whole vibe when she finds billy laying on the bed so billy steals dawson's ladder climbs up and when He gets into Jen's room. He can hear Jen and Graham talking and he lays down on Jen's bed, I guess, thinking that Jen's going to come in, but Grams comes in and Grams is just like, who are you? I like And then he
0: says, I'm Billy. And she says, oh, I've heard about you.
1: (laughs) Oh, I've heard about you, Billy.
0: Look, Grams is a vibe. We love Grams. When she's not being racist and awful. Racist. Yeah. Yeah, Grams, that was her only scene this this episode, right? That was sad. Yeah. She served.
1: She, she did the most with her single scene.
0: She always serves. She's an icon. Grams Creek, am I right? <laughs> I,
1: the other thing I noticed in this scene about Billy is he kind of has Gen Z hair. It's like if he just buzzed up the sides and still had that swooshy mm-hmm. front part, he could be on TikTok. He could have millions of followers.
0: Yeah, he's kind of giving like Jack Harlow. Is that his name? What are the kids saying? Jack Harlow? I know it's yes. the song, but he's also in like the White Man Can't Jump reboot or whatever. Is that him?
1: Yeah, I don't.
0: Someone will let us know. <laughs> Woke up to a nice at on Twitter attacking me for being Team Dawson. It's always <laughs> nice. Happy Sunday. Cheers. I mean,
1: before we even started the pod, you knew that this was going to be controversial.
0: I not just have an opinion, people. My Lord. I don't hate Pacey. I love Pacey. Also, there's 10 million pro Pacey Joey podcasts out there. Just find one. (laughs) Don't send me like a letter bomb. Anyway. (laughs)
1: Letter bomb. (laughs) No anthrax, please.
0: Anthrax. TBT. Good reference. Deep cut.
1: One thing that I noticed in this episode is they walk in, Dawson and Billy walk into the school and... Casey's there at his locker. It is not the same locker from episode seven. In episode seven, his locker is blue and it's on the other side of the hallway. And this episode, his locker is yellow and it's on the other side of the hallway. I hate that. Yeah. Where's the continuity?
0: This is a side note tangent. So, you know, I work in sitcoms and we used to give this a Disney channel sitcom. We used to give this kid a different coat every episode. And I would be like, just give him the same coat. Because I like when shows do that. And I actually noticed that. Like, I'm watching Beef right now. And uh, Steve Yun's brother, he wears this one flannel, like, every few episodes. And I'm like, I like that. Because that's real. Like, how many times have you seen me wear the same shirt on this podcast? Like, characters repeating clothes, I feel like, is, like, a cute little... It makes it real. It it makes Yeah, it makes it... Anyway, continuity stuff like that just drives me crazy.
1: Yeah, and I'm wondering if it was, like... Different then because week to week you're not rewatching, like they just think, like <laughs> yeah. Oh, Casey had a locker, you know, not thinking that people were going to scrutinize it. But now it's like, If I was binging this, I could very easily watch these same two episodes in a day.
0: Speaking of our back to Bob TikTok, which we're on TikTok, mm-hmm. we don't post a lot, but anyway, follow us on TikTok. Holla, we are going to do a TikTok push probably in between seasons. Anyway, yeah, so my TikTok now is a lot of like Dawson's Taylor OC, One Tree Hill. Mm-hmm. But someone posted this One Tree Hill TikTok. And I loved One Tree Hill. Admittedly, it got very corny at times. I mean, all I'll ride the line. The girls of One Tree Hill reenacted the Spice Girls wannabe dance. And this so Haley's shoes changed like four times in the scene. She goes from like pumps to sneakers to the same pumps to sneakers, like different pumps or something. And someone posted it and I was just like, how do they not know they're doing this
1: okay question for you i did not watch one tree hill
0: there's our next podcast
1: i saw a thing on instagram this week that <laughs> was it one tree hill where there was a heart transplant and then there sure was i know the... what
0: you're gonna say the dog stole it <laughs> the dog stole the heart of course there a was. a
1: man walks into the hospital with like a styrofoam cooler that says organ on it trips Which... falls
0: Which we know is real because Grey's Anatomy also has the styrofoam cooler with organs Uh, in it. So that must be how they do it in hospitals.
1: The heart goes sliding across the floor and a random man is there with his golden retriever in the waiting room and the dog takes the heart while the patient is watching.
0: And I like relatability when I watch my shows. So, I mean, who can't relate to that? I know when I needed an organ transplant, I had to watch the golden retriever run with my organ as well.
1: Oh, man. There's just so many of you out there.
0: Seriously, that season was unhinged. They, were, they introduced like, a really crazy character, Nanny Carey, I think her name was. And it just got very outlandish. Wild. First five seasons, that show was solid. Inconsistencies, One Tree Hill, Pacey's Locker, bam, 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 bam.
1: Yeah. So I just, I don't know. It was... It was something that I noticed, and then I went back just to make sure. Because I was like, maybe I'm misremembering the locker from 107. But no, it's a completely different locker. So check it out.
0: There is a position, at least in sitcoms, the script supervisor. And one of their jobs is continuity. Mm -hmm. So if it's, you know, Joey had her backpack on during the first take, you know, she should have her backpack on her left shoulder on the second take, just so everything matches up. So if a good script supervisor, I mean, it's priceless you need to have someone who really keeps an eye on that is very precise and not OCD but
1: observant in tune
0: observant and yes
1: yeah because an actor could be like wait which hand did I pick up my glass with like if they're not paying attention
0: yes so there there is a role on the show that's dedicated and and I think because when all the footage goes to post-production which is editing which is your expertise all of those shots need to match because there's different cameras, there's different angles. There's like one shots, two shots. A one shot would be when there's one actor in the shot, right? And two shot is when there's, you know, two there's Mm -hmm. over the shoulder. All of that stuff has to match. So when you cut it together, you don't get these inconsistencies. You gotta be careful. You gotta be careful. All you aspiring filmmakers out there.
1: Pay attention to this stuff.
0: Find yourself a good script supervisor. You'll be fine.
1: Oh, I would like to say, I take a ferry to work. Every day. So this ferry business really hit home. And it's like a commuter ferry. So there's no cars. And I would kill to have a car ferry. I think car ferries are so cool. New Jersey, Brooklyn, put in a car ferry.
0: Oh, okay. I thought you were just going to say you related to this episode more because there was a ferry. Well, I did. But anyway, if if anyone is working for the, uh, is it like Port of Transportation? Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, please exactly. for the
0: love of God get a car ferry. I mean, come on, it's 2023. Come on. Let this poor girl take her car in the ferry.
1: Uh, question for you. When they're on mm-hmm. the ferry and Dawson and Pacey are having a little conversation, and Pacey starts relating him, Dawson, and Billy to happy days. And he's like, You're Richie Cunningham and Billy's basically the Fonz. And then Dawson says, You know that makes you potsy, right? That obviously hit for me and for us growing up, like there were always reruns of Happy Days on. Everyone was kind of watching the same things and knew the same references. It was very much so the monoculture. And I feel like now there isn't really that. Can you think of a reference that you could make now to a show that people's parents watched that everyone would know?
0: Hard, like Friends maybe, uh, but it's so far away. That's so long ago now. It's funny you say that because I am not familiar with Happy Days actually. Like I know the Fonz is obviously- huh. But I didn't watch Happy Days. So that reference was actually a little lost on me. Yeah. So- no, that's the problem. There's so much content now. And we've been getting feedback that people really like the behind the scenes stuff. And that we should do more of that. So this is this is like a little behind the scenes So if you're a writer out here in LA and, and you want to get staffed or get an agent or get discovered, you should have a sample a sample of your writing. So there's original samples and there's what they call spec scripts. So specs were very popular and common in the 80s and 90s. And that is when you take an existing show and you write an episode of it, you completely make up the stories, you use the characters that are there. So if I was specking a season one episode of Dawson's Creek, maybe I would say, you know, Joey really wants to sabotage a date with Dawson and Jen. So she enlists Pacey that they're going to pretend to be on a date and they're going to go on a double date with Dawson and Jen, and she's going to try to ruin Dawson and Jen's date. So basically you just, you come up with an episode, you try to mimic the formula, the structure, the tone, everything of the existing show. And that's, that's to show that you would be really good on staff because you can, fall in line and kind of just mimic the the voice of the show. So spec scripts are really out of style now because back in the 80s and 90s, there were only so many networks, there were only so many shows. So if you said, oh, I wrote a spec of NYPD Blue or Friends, a lot of people watched NYPD Blue and Friends. And part of the reason they're so out of style now is because you could say like, I wrote a spec of Hacks or the other two or succession or whatever it is and there's a lot of people who haven't seen these shows because yeah. there's so many shows the content now is so overwhelming and there's so much of it that's if you're you're going to shoot your one shot and you have an agent who wants to read your stuff you're better off sending an original script that you wrote you created the world the characters the tone the dialogue all of that then submitting a spec of the summer i turned pretty because maybe the agent you're submitting to has never seen the summer i turned pretty so
1: That's so interesting because I went to film school in the mid to early 2000s and that was such a big thing. Like I wrote spec scripts that was like, Mm -hmm. they really wanted you to work that muscle and be able to do that. And it was really impressed upon us that agents or other writers or whoever's reading your stuff would be really impressed by your ability to get the voice of the characters and get the tone of the show and all that stuff. I never thought about that.
0: I wrote two spec scripts one was an episode of the office this was in like 2008 when i first moved out here i'm from scranton where the office takes place and uh the big thing there is the saint patrick's day parade every march it's like the biggest thing like people come from like new york new jersey all over so i wrote an episode basically where like the office like dunder mifflin gets like a float at the parade and just like chaos ensues and then the other spec script i wrote was a new girl spec where they run a zombie 5k because those were like hot for a minute It's like a 5K, but everyone, like they have people chasing you and they're dressed like zombies. And it was a thing out here. I don't know how popular they are. And simultaneously, they were all sharing like a cloud DVR. So they were all like deleting each other's stuff. And anyway, we were talking about something before that that made me get on specs.
1: Happy days?
0: Yes, 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 yes. Monoculture. Yes, yes, yes. So that's interesting. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. So now it's just that the monoculture is a thing of the past, which is kind of exciting because there's like little niches and there's space for everyone and everyone's interests are more widely represented. But also that means you're not getting 20 million viewers on your show. You're getting a million if you're lucky, right?
0: If you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel like the equivalent now to spec scripts is have you ever seen the TikToks of like, if whatever current event happened at the office and it yeah. they have some people dressed up being every one of the characters and it's so spot on that's like it's transitioned to that
0: yeah so as a happy days fan what did this metaphor what does it mean
1: richie cunningham is ron howard and he's like the goody two-shoes of the group
0: and that's and then, dawson
1: mm-hmm. and then the Fonz is henry Winkler, really? and he's mm-hmm. like He has the leather jacket. Like, you know, you've seen Mm references to that. And then Potsy is kind of like the dweeb. Like he thinks he's cool, but he's kind of a dweeb. A Pacey. He is kind of like a Pacey.
0: They must have been setting up because once they get to the bar in Providence, Pacey's hitting on all these girls and they won't give him the time of day. They think he's a dork.
1: He goes up to the one and he goes, hey, I'm the drummer from Pearl Jam. What do you do? And she goes, you're dumber than who?
0: That was so funny. We should give her the guest cast shout out. <laughs> she was amazing. That was great. That was great.
1: Oh, I wrote down. This is just a stupid thing. But Warren, when he pulls up on Joey and his Jeep wrangler without the doors on, like it was such a vibe.
0: I think I'm starting to remember the reason that I love this show so much. A part of it was that I just love Capeside. Yeah. Like I loved that street. I loved in last episode when like Pacey was chilling with the fishermen on the bench. Yeah. like. <laughs> I just love Capeside. So I guess I just really love Wilmington, North Carolina, where I, I've never been there. But should I move there? I don't know. I just love Cape Side.
1: It might solve all of your problems.
0: It's so scenic and picturesque and small and cute and quaint. And it's a vibe. It is a vibe. Kind of vibe. <laughs> I just love it there. Anyway, yes, the scene where he rolls up. They're on like a very suburban street. She's walking. He pulls up.
1: He says, can I give you a ride? And she's like, no, I'm waiting for Ted Bundy. (laughs) (laughs) She's an OG murderino, honestly. she's She may be the original true crime fan. And
0: And she's like, you probably don't know, but Ted Bundy's a serial. And he's like, I know who Ted Bundy is. He's the guy who killed all those people and he claimed it was because of porn. Their conversation in the Jeep is insane.
1: Yeah, unhinged.
0: There's like sexual harassment, homophobia.
1: (laughs) Yeah. She's like rambling and he's like, You talk a lot. Stop talking. That's better.
0: (laughs) He's like, Is it cold in here? Are you just happy to see me? Or something like that? Yeah. Which is I'm assuming a reference to her.
1: Well, because she stands up. There's like a wide shot and she's standing up in the Jeep, like, "Ah!" did you notice that? I didn't the first time. Yeah. Again, not a visual podcast, but like she has her arms up and she's like so excited to be there. And then she sits down and he's like, It must be cold out there. Are you are you just happy to see me?
0: Is that a reference to her nipples?
1: Yeah, her nipples must have been hard.
0: And then he says, you talk a lot. Is that all you and your little boyfriend? And I use the term loosely, Dawson, do. And she says, he's not my boyfriend. And he says, no, I was referring to the boy part. Have you ever seen that guy throw a baseball? And she says, contrary to popular belief, someone's slider doesn't have anything to do with their sperm count. Yep. So here's the, okay. Okay. So we go through this whole episode, like we said, Warren spreads a rumor about sleeping with Joey, it gets back to Joey via Jen, they come up with this scheme to basically fire back and say that Warren got her pregnant and has now set her adrift with her unborn baby, revenge plot. Then it gets back to Joey and Jen via Abby Morgan, icon legend star, that... Warren had a girlfriend for six months and he could not get erect or aroused for her. So there's no way that he could have slept with Joey. Now, does that mean he's gay? What was this? Is is Warren gay?
1: I took it that way. I think they were leaving it ambiguous. She said, Abby says that her friend told her that Warren had a soft spot for the ladies in a very unfortunate location.
0: Right. His penis. Which means he either... (laughs) is gay or he just he gets nervous or we don't know but so then joey goes back to warren and says there's rumors out there about you if one person says it if it's a rumor if two people say it it's gospel your move are we going to squash this or are we going to keep it going and then he says we should just make this rumor true we should hang out saturday and groping optional and she's like in your dreams
1: yeah great sounds good pick me up after my lobotomy
0: and I bring this up to say, was Warren's homophobia in the car scene like self-hating homophobia?
1: Interesting. Could be.
0: <sighs> Who knows? I'm sure Rob Thomas is listening.
1: Yeah, Rob. Could you write in?
0: <laughs> let us know. Were you Team Duncan or Team Logan? What? Veronica Mars, bro. Oh,
1: I didn't watch that either.
0: <laughs> oh, Marron. Oy vey. what have, are we doing? We
1: have very little overlap. Is this the only show that we've both
0: watched? This might be the only show we both watched. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What? I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. When Dawson goes to the bar, Billy's hyping Dawson up. He's like, yo, bro, girls are going to shoot you down. That's why you cast a wide net. That's why you hit on 10 girls. So when one girl turns you down, you have nine others, you know? So Dawson... Basically looks at this girl. She has a film shirt on. And he's like, I don't need 10 shots. I need this one shot. So he goes up to her. He basically makes a fool out of himself. She's skeptical. They start bonding over movies. They kiss, as we said. The woman looked familiar to me. Yeah. I just Googled who it is. I'm freaking out. (laughs) Who is it? It's Carol from The Walking Dead.
1: Oh, my God. Holy. God!
0: We should give her guess. We have to. We have to. Backing on Holy up.
1: Holy cow.
0: We should do a two fur guest cast shout out. Eric Balfour and Melissa McBride is her name. She is freaking Carol on The Walking Dead. Dawson Kiss Carol. Yeah. Wow.
1: Now picturing her with short hair. I see it.
0: Oh my God.
1: That is mind blowing.
0: Mind blowing. Well, anyway, I knew she looked familiar. That was driving me nuts.
1: Well, I wrote down that she really strikes me as a like a 40-year-old, when he's hitting on her, I was like, she is way older than college age.
0: Way older. Yeah. No offense to Melissa McBride or whatever her name is. What else <sighs> are we talking about? So we see, like, Pacey mooned those guys in the ferry when Pacey's mm-hmm. trying to convince Dawson to be more mischievous and live a little and be wild. Pacey moons them when we see a little bit of his butt.
1: Yes. And I, in my, like, multiple viewings, I was trying to really pay attention. I, I think we see no crack. I'm sure that there was a no crack
0: rule. I'm sure.
1: But it's a pretty, it's a good cut. And it, it implies, it's kind of like that scene in Now and Then where you're convinced that if you pause it right, you're going to see Devin without <laughs> <was> BB.
0: <laughs> I've only seen it once, but I know that's like a crime. I know it's like a staple of our childhood.
1: Oh, it's so good. Yeah, there was implied butt crack. The thing that I wanted to talk about, there was an exchange leading up to that moment where Pacey's telling Dawson that he's like the beacon of all things right and he never does anything wrong and Pacey doesn't have an angel on his shoulder like an angel and a devil he doesn't have an angel he has Dawson and and they're talking about something that's happened in the past and Dawson calls it youthful indiscretion and Pacey's like youthful indiscretion what am I (laughs) running for senate (laughs) yeah and then Dawson's like, what do you mean? And Pacey goes, Dawson, I think that you're better at verbiage than you are at verbs. I loved yeah, that line.
0: That's a good line. And Dawson's like, what do you mean? And he's like, you're you're better with your words than you are at action. Yeah, that was a good line. That was a good line. Another good episode for Pacey, who's playing that sidekick character to the hilt. Like a very good Someone's going to cancel me for saying he's a sidekick.
1: He's got tons of time to be the star. It's only season one, baby. I have two kind of insidery things. One is, so there's like a nighttime meeting at the school. I forget what it's for, like some committee. Uh,
0: It's college preview night.
1: There's an establishing shot of the school before we go into the school. And I'm pretty sure that's day for night, which means they probably shot multiple exteriors of the school during the day. And so they just use the same, however many shots they have. They have like a bank of them and they put them into the episodes as needed. And then for this, they needed a nighttime exterior. So they just color timed it down. If you look at it, there's sun clearly coming through the trees.
0: Oh. oh, But it's colored
1: kind of like bluish, darker. So we call that day for night.
0: Was it a mistake that sun was pouring through or was it?
1: It wasn't a mistake. They were just trying to trick us. Okay. Okay. It's not pouring through so much as if you really look at it, you can tell that it's not truly nighttime. There is sun there. But if you weren't paying attention, it just goes by yeah. as night.
0: Yeah, it was some type of college fair hosted by Mrs. Tringle. I like yes. when they, they, they reference that back. Yeah.
1: But the thing that really stood out to me is after that scene, Joey goes to Jen's house and says she wants to call off the whole sabotage because Mrs. Tringle asked her if she wanted to join the class where you carry around a bag of flour and pretend it's a baby. And she calls her Mrs. Tingle. And it's, remember how we talked about in episode seven? Yes, we talked about this. They ADR'd all of the Tingles to be Tringle, or so we thought that was our theory. And now we have confirmation because they let one slip in episode nine.
0: To recap, you work in post-production and you're kind of an expert on these ADR lines which ADR lines means that they are lines that are reset during editing and post-production because they didn't quite get the line right at filming or something has changed. So it's actually a very meticulous process where they need to go into the sound booth and need to say the line at the exact moment for it to match up with their lips. And it's very precise and it's complicated and it's this crazy process. But you said that every time they said Tringle in episode 107, it was ADR'd and your theory was... Originally, they said Tingle, but because of teaching Mrs. Tingle or Tingle just didn't clear, Mm -hmm. but they had to go back and say Tringle. And the fact that Joey says Tingle in this one kind of confirms your theory. Yeah. Is that a a good summary? Yeah.
1: That is a great summary.
0: Remind us what ADR stands for.
1: So it kind of depends on who you ask. I always say automated dialogue replacement, but some people say additional dialogue recording. So it's like... Like you were saying, it can either be because you didn't get a line on set, there was set noise for some reason they couldn't, like in 105, there was a rain machine so that the dialogue was just so muddy and too difficult to understand in the recording. Or if, say, you cut out a scene completely, then the writers will come in and say, okay, how do we bridge this gap? Or how do we get the information from that cut scene back into the story? And they'll put a line, what we call, on the back of somebody's head. Where you don't see their mouth moving, you just put in a line of dialogue.
0: Yes. There's there's been two scenes in Dawson's where I've noticed ADR. One was in the last episode, 108, when we talked about that over-the-shoulder shot of Dawson watching Jen and Billy talk at Capeside High. Michelle Williams, her dialogue is just so the volume is just like too good, kind of it,
1: a... mm-hmm. not mixed in well enough.
0: The other one was when they're running through the halls in 107 Breakfast Club. And Pacey comes face to face with Mrs. Tringle. And he kind of does this like skid. And he he, I can't remember exactly what he says, but you could tell it's ADR'd. You kind of get a glimpse into ADR. And I believe 104? Yes. So Jen is doing ADR for Dawson's movie. And it's the three beeps. It's like beep, beep, beep. She has to scream that.
1: ah. (laughs) We call it the imaginary fourth beep. So it's like, it'll go beep, beep beep and then on the imaginary fourth beep is when you start your line
0: which is like i just know i'd be bad at doing that
1: and it's interesting because people who are also musicians or people who have at some point played music in their lives tend to be better at it because there Mm. is like an internal sense of rhythm and like
0: is adr becoming less common
1: no especially because people know that they can solve story issues with it
0: is it easier for you to catch adr lines in older things Like Dawson's and it is like succession or or new things?
1: I think that it's the more times I watch it, the easier it is for me to catch it. So Mm -hmm. like there were two really egregious ones in this episode for me. One was on the boat in the happy days moment when he says, and Billy's basically the Fonz. That line is 80 yard and it stands out to me so much. There must have been some sort of noise over top, but because they're on a boat and it was probably really hard for them to create that environment on top of the ADR line, it sticks out like a sore thumb. And then the other one is when Jen and Joey come up and Billy and it's just Billy and Pacey, I think at first are at the locker. And Jen says something like for fear of sounding redundant, what the hell are you doing here? Or whatever she says, that line is ADR'd and it really sticks out to me too. so
0: interesting because when- Billy sneaks into her bedroom and Grams calls Jen in. Jen says, what the hell are you doing here? And then when he shows up at the school, yeah, she says, for the sake of sounding we're done, what the hell are you doing here? I did not notice that that was ADR'd, but.
1: Like when I'm watching the first time, I usually don't pick up on it if it's something that I care about. But there are times now where I'm rewatching The Office and I'm like, huh, like I never noticed that that was ADR.
0: You'll find, I think, working in the industry, it really does ruin things. Like all I could think (laughs) about during the club scenes in the Providence Bar was just like, there should have been more extras in it. <laughs> I know. So for every episode of TV that you watch, they have what they call a table read, which is when the cast and the director sit down and they, they literally just sit at a table and read through the script. So the writers and the network and everyone can hear the script read aloud and see the timing and if things land and if the words work. But there's also a production meeting, which... Is basically an opportunity for all the departments props, costumes, hair, makeup anyone Special to ask effects questions.
1: Everybody. Yes,
0: so for someone to ask questions. So, you know, if the script said Warren opens his locker to find baby paraphernalia in his locker, so props in the production meeting can raise their hand, well, what do you want in the locker? Do you want uh, baby bottles? Do you want baby shoes? Do you want diapers? Do you want a crib? Like, what do you want in the locker? And then the director could say, oh, let's get some baby shoes in a baby bottle. So mm-hmm. they have these things called a production meeting, which basically gives the departments an opportunity to ask more in-depth questions about the script.
1: Yeah. The things that I always find most interesting are the things that I would never think about, which is like in the first episode when Pacey and Joey are in and out of the water, like they're shooting the movie they'd be like, okay, how long for a reset? Like hair, how long do you need to reset her hair? How many duplicates of the costume are you bringing? Like how many chances do we have to get this mm-hmm. shot? Because sometimes the answer is you have one take and that's it because it will be a two hour reset.
0: So at production meetings, the the assistant director, the assistant director is an in-house position that stays the same. And then the directors usually change episode to episode, but the director of the week can rely on the assistant director to say, oh, what do you guys normally do when this happens, when this happens? So the assistant director is usually the one to walk you through a production meeting, read the script word for word, and then department heads are able to speak out and ask a question whenever they feel like it. So if the assistant director was like, interior, Providence Bar, Dawson, Billy, and Pacey, enter a crowded college bar, the assistant director usually, would because the assistant director and the second assistant director are kind of in charge of background actors background is literally just the people in the background so they're like how many people do you want in the bar you know 50 100 and then the director would say oh you know 20 to 30 and that has all changed since covid you want the least amount of background as possible in today's day and age this is the long way of me saying (laughs) the bar did not feel populated enough
1: (laughs) yeah It it felt
0: very sparse
1: and the other thing on the The post side of things that we always fight against is because we're going to go in and we're going to add that bar noise. Like we're doing the voices after the fact.
0: Ambient noise.
1: And we go in and anytime there's a group of people or anytime there's people in the background, they're not really talking. They're usually just like having very low conversation. And then we're going in and our loop group is coordinated by one or two people And they literally say, like, okay, we're going to hit those two people in the background. Looks like they're having a conversation. John and Jane, can you guys get up to the mic and, like, have a conversation? And then we put it all in. Like, we mix everything together. So the thing that we often fight against in a club scene like this is actors talking at a volume like you and I are talking right now. And then we go in and we add the voices and we add the music and try to make it sound like a convincing club. But they're so clearly not yelling. Or like have they're having kind of an intimate conversation and then you're having to fight against that. Yeah.
0: That's an interesting tidbit that people might not know. Whenever you see background actors talking in a scene, they're mouthing.
1: They might be talking, but they're not we're not gonna hear them on yeah. camera.
0: Shout out to background actors. It is not easy. I would not be able to do that. And background actors, as we've discussed, can be very distracting. The one is basically staring at Pacey and Tamara as they're having their <laughs> private conversation. Like you could, they can make or break a scene, you know, they yeah. really can. So I know people who do background work and it's not easy. You're there the whole day. They keep you on set the whole day for two seconds of airtime. you know?
1: Props to them.
0: That was basically my way of saying... The Providence bar felt
1: a little sparse.
0: It didn't feel staged good enough, just for my.
1: There's also the issue of money. Like, I have worked on a couple of network shows where they're like, how many bodies do we have? It's not how many bodies do you want, it's how many bodies do we have. Right. And then they'll try to shoot into corners and like feature different people, but it's the same. 12 people in every shot just like in different places that's why like occasionally you'll see if you're watching a show you'll see one guy walking towards camera and then at a different angle you see the same guy walking towards camera and you're like whoa i want to go back to nina quickly yeah
0: nina is the person that dawson kisses
1: yes so the thing that i loved about nina is we cut back to them and they're very clearly in like the depths of a they're in the depths of a film conversation. And she's like, really? Like Spielberg? That's who you're like obsessed with and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, Spielberg makes slick fairy tales. Like you should care about art people. You should care about – he basically talks about how successful Spielberg's films are. And she's like, well, by that metric, we should be watching Ace Ventura in film school. Like it's about the art. It's not about the consumerism. I, don't know, I just like that she challenged him on it because he in his little bubble, he is the film guy and he knows the most and he cares the most. And she was like, maybe you're maybe everything you think is wrong.
0: I think it's interesting too how he represents this is very inside baseball. But when you're first starting out, you do really think of mainstream directors like Spielberg and James Cameron. You know, you're not thinking of like indie directors. Yeah. So I, I it kind of showed maybe their age contrast where he's a teenage filmmaker. He loves Spielberg. And was she in college? Was she in grad school? We really don't know.
1: No, we don't know. We just know she's in film school.
0: So this girl, yeah, she's probably, I mean, I went through that phase, right? When I was in college, I was a big indie.
1: Oh, for sure. I'm
0: going to go see all the indie films I'm not seeing.
1: And you're also in these classes where they're curating like this curriculum for you of very impactful but lesser known films like I remember watching like real art house stuff and being like, this is incredible. Like, I need to really get into this. And now I'm like, I couldn't even tell you the names of them. Like, it was a phase. I don't know. Yeah. it's Like, I'm not going to see
0: National Treasure. I'm going to see like Donnie Darko. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, we thought we were making art at that point. And then at this, like, this is just a business. We're just turning out product at this. You know what I mean? Not to sound really jaded, but.
1: No, but, like, if you're lucky, someday you'll get to make, like, some sort of art passion project, whatever.
0: Oh, I don't know. I think that ship is.
1: (laughs) As Michelle Yeoh said, never count anyone as past their prime.
0: No, I'm joking. But, yeah, like, at that age, you're, I think, I think it was really well played because she represented that college grad school artsy indie girl. Which maybe is only relatable to like film school people, but we all knew those people in college, right? Like we all knew. And I knew feel those like people. everyone
1: knows that trope.
0: And he's more idealistic, teen. You know, it was. It was. He was real. like, it if was... you want,
1: if you want reality, look out the window. Film is for escape.
0: Did you like Dawson this episode or no?
1: Yeah, I didn't hate him. I think that his like wallowing. Was annoying but relatable. I feel like that's very yeah. standard for a high school breakup to feel that way.
0: I do want to say, since I'm on record the last few episodes saying I don't like Jen and I've been trolled and heckled for that, <laughs> I do want to say that I thought this was a really good Jen episode. Like when Jen hits, I feel like she hits, but I do feel like it was a deliberate thing. I feel like they've taken us on a journey with Jen, it's a roller coaster. The last few episodes, I don't think we we're supposed to like her. In this episode, I feel like we very much worse. But she, she stepped in on Joey's behalf. She was a girl's girl. She went to bat for Joey.
1: She did, but she also pushed back against Joey. And I actually really liked that scene. So when Joey comes to her house, Jen and Joey are chatting about Dawson. And Jen's like, I think that when... Dawson gets back, he's still going to be looking at you as just one of the guys and you know, just my best pal Joey, and you're not going to have me to blame anymore for that, and that scares you. And I was like, you know what? Good for you, Jen, because Joey really has been pretty cruel to Jen leading up to this point.
0: Yeah, so Joey and Jen kind of reconnect at night to kind of talk about, like you said, Mrs. Tringle pulled Joey aside and said, you know, I think you should join this family planning class. So Joey has a lot of doubts because now the, their counter rumor has reached faculty. And Joey brings up to Jen, like, maybe we should kind of call this off. And Jen is like, no, you know, we have to stick it to men. Like, men can't just go around thinking. Right. Of- so Joey says something to Jen, like, is that all this is to you? Just some plan to get back at your, you know, residual anger towards men? Is this all this is for you? I should have known. And... I actually sided with Jen. Like I do think Jen is being a Joey loyalist and Joey kind of says, you probably believe this rumor. That's why you asked me if it was true in the first place. And Jen is like, no, I came to you and asked you if it was true because I didn't think it was true. And I knew it wasn't true. And I actually sided with Jen fully in uh, in that. So I thought it was a really good episode for Jen.
1: Yeah, I did too. And then the other moment that they have on the porch. So Jen and Joey kind of have that little blow up where Joey says, are you just trying to get back at men? And then she goes, is that what Dawson was? Was Dawson just you trying to get back at men? And that's when Jen kind of blows up at Joey and she's like, Dawson's just going to keep treating you like one of the guys and you're not going to have me to blame for it and kind of puts her in her place a little bit. And then Joey comes back later that night with with a half gallon of ice cream making amends and they sit down on Jen's porch and they eat ice cream together and they're talking about Dawson and Joey says yeah but he's only in love with one of us and Jen goes yeah you're right and then there's a long beat and Joey looks kind of shocked and Jen goes it must be nice to be that person and not the object of his infatuation like basically saying that Dawson's yeah,
0: that was huge that was huge
1: yeah Dawson's in love with Joey
0: very interesting cuz not to put the cart before the horse but in in my memory the moment where Jen realizes that Dawson is in love with Joey, comes in a later episode, the pageant episode. Mm -hmm. But watching back now, Jen knows. Like Jen is there.
1: Yeah, she is.
0: That was a good moment. That was a really good moment. I like the girls bonding.
1: Yeah, it was nice to see them kind of, they had a couple of conversations like this about Dawson, but the Warren storyline really took them out of the Dawson, Joey, Jen bubble for a while. And it was nice to have them be able to focus on something else together. Yeah. I think that's really all I had. Do you have anything else?
0: Let's do Creek Speak, where we talk about feedback from you guys on the pod. All right. Let's see what we got.
1: We have Ugly Best Friend says, I haven't watched Dawson's in years, but I love being able to listen to Micah and Christina rehash the most pivotal 90s teen drama. I love how the show is structured. And as someone who does casting for a living, I love the guest star segment. So many good future stars were a small bit parts on Dawson's. Also, Team Pacey forever. Thank you, ugly best friend. I agree.
0: This is an Instagram review from Suze in Blush. And she says, I just found out about the pod yesterday, the day before. Already binged all of your apps and I'm loving it. Micah, we are the same age and I also watched the show as it aired. So I really love hearing your perspective. I haven't vibed with all of the Creek pods, but you guys are 100. Can't wait to listen to your journey. Hey. Which is really nice because like sometimes when you're posting on Instagram and it's getting like two, three likes, not a ton. Like you kind of feel like you're posting into the void. So it is really nice to get comments like that. And we have another one that I want to read. So I want to read this other one from Allie Sharwood. She says, really loving the pod, especially the behind the scenes tidbits and real life snippets like Michelle Williams's love for Grams. And how unironic you guys are in your analysis of it all. <laughs> we have to take our DC seriously, you guys. LOL emoji. Which is like, you know, really nice. They get it. You know, we're slowly building our little Instagram following. And I love that people are like leaving us feedback there. I'm uh, like, I'm trying to make note of all the good comments. We can read them. But you know, if I'm, if I'm overlooking you or or missing you, please just send another and we'll definitely read it. We'll read it on air. It's so nice to get the feedback.
1: Yeah. Like a little community.
0: We are having a lot of fun just doing it ourselves, but it's also fun to get.
1: We are, but it's nice to know what people Um, are responding to, what people like, what people don't like.
0: And I'll tell you what people don't like. The fact that I liked Dawson. (laughs) What is our Dawson's drink for episode 110? We're going to do our 10th freaking episode. (laughs) (laughs) Only 118 more to go, baby.
1: So I think that we should do this drink. It's called the Ferris wheel. It is Sambuca and brandy. Here's the thing. I hate Sambuca. Loathe it. Have zero intention of drinking that. So I did find this one recipe says that you can swap out the sambuca for elderberry liqueur. And that is what I will be doing. So if you're out there and you like sambuca, sambuca and Brandy, if you don't, elderberry liqueur, and we'll be drinking them.
0: I would behoove you to make two drinks, one sambuca, one elderberry. Just see, just try for the pot.
1: It's disgusting.
0: See, I like anise, so I wonder if I'd like that.
1: I bet you would love it.
0: Next episode is good. All you Pacey Joey fans better show up. It's a freaking good episode for you guys.
1: This is one that I have a couple like burned into my brain snapshots.
0: Absolutely. All I have to say is like side view mirror.
1: Oh, so good. You
0: all know what I mean. So that is episode 109 in the company of men, which was a delightful surprise. It was a delightful surprise because, you know, in my head, I I write off these Billy episodes. I didn't rewatch them a lot.
1: It was a nice little palate cleanser reset.
0: I really enjoy Rob Thomas written episodes. So, all right. Well, so we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.